0: Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe your to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to, well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season, well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul. Leon Taylor in 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, it has been a busy week in Indiana politics, and it's only the first few days in January. So just imagine what life is going to be like uh, come the primary. And so join us on the news line uh, from Purdue University at Fort Wayne. Usually we talk to our good friend Andy Downs, who's Professor Emeritus at the Mike Downs. But today we're talking to Mike Wolf, who is the current director of the Mike Downs Center for Indiana politics at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. So, Mike, my friend, thank you very much for joining us very much. Uh, always good to have you here. Nice to meet you, by the way. Oh, it's great to meet you and great to be with you. All righty, great. Uh, so uh, these first few days uh, into 2024, how would you assess Indiana's political landscape with four congressional seats open?
1: Uh, well, exciting. Uh, lots of opportunities for up-and-coming Hoosier politicians, clearly. So uh, I think that it's going to be a dramatic year when you look up and down the ballot and when we see, the, you know, the consequences of who decides to jump into these races and what that means actually for the the, the lower level positions too, state uh, you know, in, in state legislative races, et cetera.
0: Uh, Also, too, I think it's interesting uh, that this year, for the first time uh, to run uh, in a primary as a Republican or Democrat, uh, you don't have to necessarily vote uh, in two elections anymore, as that order, as that uh, law was thrown out as unconstitutional uh, by Mary County Judge Patrick Dietrich here uh, in Indianapolis. The Supreme Court's going to hear the case in mid February, ironically on February 12th, which is Lincoln's birthday, by the way, which I think is also rather ironic, but it's sort of smack dab in the middle of all the filing deadlines.
1: Right. And it's uh, it, what's interesting, of course, is that, you know, a lot of these are pretty Republican leaning. So um, it would seem to be in, in normal cases, you would think, well, you know, this is a pretty standard Republicans jumping in. But then you think Mike Braun. You know, it wasn't that long ago a Democrat, and what what, what do we see? I mean, so I don't expect a huge kind of uh, uh, a switch over or something like that, a strategic set. But but as you note, know, you know, rules changes do affect things, and uh, it, it, we'll see what what kind of entry that 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 might bar to these. So, and again, these are seats that, if they continue in the the normal pattern that they are, will likely be pretty comfortable seats for Republicans. So they'll be very attractive for uh, people looking to, you know, uh, with political ambition.
0: Uh, do you expect, my friend, lots of primary battles? Yes. Yeah, if we, I mean, uh, <laughs> well, that was easy uh, enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it again, uh, the, these don't open very often. Uh, is, and uh, it, just look at the, the third congressional district up here. I mean, we have, you know, nine or ten people in, and a ton of them have political experience, including the former incumbents running, uh, along with judges and uh, state senators and uh, staffers who've worked in Washington a long time, people that know the politics around here. So it's, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw uh, in those 6th uh, and ninth and elsewhere just a bunch of people crowding to, to get their chance.
0: Well, obviously, uh, the 3rd District was already open, and so was the 5th District, as Jim Banks is ready for the U.S. Senate. Victoria Sparks uh, decided to go do something else. Uh, what what uh, sort of surprised me, though, uh, was the 6th District. Uh, that is seat uh, currently being held by Greg Pence. Uh, we've heard uh, State Senator Jeff Ratz of Richmond uh, uh, thinking about getting into the race. Also, uh, Mike Speedy, uh, the state rep down here uh, in Indianapolis, uh, has already announced that he's going to run. i uh, hear in a couple other names uh, in that equation. Expect anybody else to get in?
1: Not that I know of, and you know. Uh, but then again, you know, there's a lot of people probably looking in the mirror, talking to their spouses, and talking to, to you know uh, people locally, politically, and, and that's that's what we run into with these, is that you have uh, you know people that might like two or three of the candidates uh, will throw their name in, so it does split, uh, you know, uh, the local Republicans in who they're going to back. There's going to be a quick uh, appetite to have people you know endorse. And so it's a, uh, and then you, you have to get campaign management up and running. Do you use it who you have, or do you kind of uh, go with a more professional outfit? And you know that's going to be a competition to get those people lined up if they haven't been hired. So there, there's a lot going on in in this decision to to be able to to jump in like this.
0: Our guest in the program today is Mike Wolf. Mike is the current director of the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Usually we talked to our good friend Andy Downs, but Andy couldn't make it uh, this week, so we're always happy to have Mike on board. Uh, Mike, I want to switch over from the 6th District uh, to the 8th District. Uh, that is Larry Bouchon, uh, who is stepping down. He made that announcement also this week. I've heard uh, a couple names. Uh, Mark Mesmer, uh, who's a state senator from Jasper, may run. also heard a couple of the names as well. Uh, how, how do things look in the 8th, do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's going to be competitive as well because, again, you have, you know, some anchor cities and things like that there that uh, – and, and you have uh, – again, it's a wide-open ability to jump in and do something. And, again, if you look at what what's also interesting, I mean, to go back to, to blend these two uh, seats together, is that you have two people that are sitting on, you know, one of the primo uh, 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 committees in the U.S. House – you know, energy and commerce and uh, particularly dealing with subcommittees dealing with health and other things that you saw those two, you know, had a very professional interest. In, and they, you know, they're very they, they, that's a great committee to be on, because particularly given uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, there's going to be a lot of business running through that committee, whether it's oversight. Or, or whether it's like tailoring things or trying to get some of the grants that you know about that other members of Congress might not know about. So the, the fact that they both kind of exited at this point when uh, their committee is so pregnant with promise for delivering things is noteworthy. But that also means that, um, you, you know, I, I do think the, the – the entire delegation is probably gonna obviously be much younger but less experienced and there might be an opportunity to miss out unfortunately on some of the things both for those districts and for the state. But I think definitely you're gonna see um some uh legislators jump in here just as you as you mentioned and what's noteworthy is how does that how is it gonna affect and it's probably something we're gonna talk about, how does it affect this session? I mean the external pressures, uh, uh are we gonna have more of the kind of Culture war brought into this uh, shorter session and stuff like that uh, to to have people kind of uh, uh, have a leg up in a primary race. So there's there's a bunch of more incentives, whether than just whether or not to run, and then uh, uh, whether or not to kind of use your current position to to give yourself an advantage in a primary.
0: Uh, Mike, also I noticed too, uh, uh, based on your experience and knowledge and sort of expertise, how easy difficult is it to run? In a predominantly rural district uh, that has sort of a, a wide berth of counties, uh, whether it is the the eighth, uh, eighth or the or the sixth, or to a lesser degree, you no, know, a place like the third.
1: Yeah, no, it's. I mean, that's the thing. You have some splits here because you have some uh, definitely cities that uh, to kind of you you might have. And that, that's the other component of this, by the way, is that the, these candidates are likely to have a home base and they have what we would commonly refer to as a reelection kind of constituency. People that have been with them the whole time. And now they have to get to know uh, people that they might kind of. And gently know through Republican politics or something elsewhere in the district, they have to really get up to speed, and so um, that's that's what happens with this. And do you pitch yourself then culturally, you know, uh, as you, the more rural approach, and uh, kind of that as the, the the political science literature showing that the, the rural and uh, exurban kind of divide with the cities. Uh, or, and you pitch a more of a culture warrior kind of position or, uh, you know, do, do, do you rest on what your experience is? I mean, there's a lot of strategic kind of components of this and it's not easy uh, to, to necessarily pitch that at a, a pitch perfect uh, level. Not if you have to, for instance, run and, and, and win in suburban areas or closer to India and then uh, Evansville and all these other kind of uh, rural areas in between. So there's, there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, difficulties that you that you run into in, in getting to
0: know this. Our guest on the program today uh, is Mike Wolf. Mike is the chairman or, or the director of the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics at Purdue University-Fordway. Normally we talk to uh, the former director of the center, uh, Andy Downs, but Andy could not make it today, so we're always happy to have Mike uh, on board with the program. Uh, Mike, a couple more questions uh, about the congressional race. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting uh, in the fact that you have four open seats here in Indiana, uh, how much think uh, folks are stepping down because Republicans just don't think they'll be able to keep control?
1: That's a big thing. I mean, clearly there is probably um, uh, three or four jobs less fun than being in the minority in the U.S. House of Representatives these days in a polarized institution, because you just don't control the gavel, you don't control, you know, the the, the agenda. Uh, your even oversight, which is, you know, a way a lot of people have been um, making names for themselves uh, over over recent years when, they, when they're not in the majority, that's even more difficult because, uh, you know, as we saw in some of the hearings yesterday with Hunter Biden and everything else, you know, these things have turned into more um, uh, uh, showmanship. So I, I think that that's, that's really a potential both background, the mood, that's going on in the institution right now. I mean, it's now a very fun place to work from everything we hear. And um, then you add to it this notion that you might be in the minority. And this is obviously, if you look, you know, in recent years from 2006, 2010, 2014, 2018, 2022, we were flipping back and forth between the majority and the minority. And, uh, uh, you know, you have to have a sense that you have some ability, if particularly given the committees that they were sitting on, you know, uh, is, is this something you can actually, if you're a serious legislator, is this something you can make a difference in? Or are you going to be kind of sitting there, uh, you know, in an office and doing constituency service and trying to uh, get your name on TV or do something? You know, uh, it, it makes the job much less attractive.
0: Uh, what role do you think Donald Trump is going to play in Indiana's uh, primary elections? Uh,
1: well, We'll see if there's any direct role if he ends up coming here or things are wrapped up. It probably looks like it's wrapped up. But through his endorsements, through the seeking of his endorsements— And uh, otherwise, particularly given that these open seats are there, we could see a major cascading effect of uh, who's more Trump than who else, um, who, uh, you know, uh, who uh, is anyone going to actually run in the other lane, which I doubt would be very profitable right now. To try and uh, kind of seek out a position in in, in, in the kind of uh, non Donald Trump lane uh, for a primary, uh, I don't think that's very you know profitable right now. So I think it's going to be uh, the Tony sets, and that's again I think the the broader component of that is that there's very much likely going to be then a sense of the nationalization of what might be going on in our legislative session this time. Because if you have incentives for uh, a state senator or a state uh, rep to try and kind of, um, you know, uh, highlight uh, uh, a cultural issue rather than kind of more of the nuts and bolts thing in a shorter session, then that's going to be there. And, uh, you know, so the incentive might be uh, extraordinarily high to be able to do that, particularly if you're running against... Um, People that aren't holding a seat right now and are pretty free to kind of, uh, you know, make political statements or you should be doing this in the legislature. And uh, it's a it's a difficult thing when you have the responsibility of actually governing that. You know, you usually kind of have to leaven out what your uh, what your position is. When you're free from that, you don't. And so if your opposition is out there uh, and you're in the legislative session, you can uh, potentially make up for that by saying, well, I, I voted for this or I, you know, have uh, been pursuing this type of legislation. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think that it will have a cascading effect downward, particularly because... Uh, the governor's race is going to be particularly intense probably on the, the Trump level uh, as it comes down to things. And uh, so uh, obviously the Senate race is looks to be pretty pretty well settled. But, um, you know, the, we're going to add to it then a series of these House races that are going to kind of up the, uh, the, the internal Trump component of uh, how to run.
0: Mike Wolf, our guest on the program today. Mike is the head of the uh, Mike Down Center at Indiana Politics at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Uh, Mike, I've been in Indiana uh, since 2004 for almost 20 years come September, and I never thought I would live to see the day that a Democrat, particularly from Indianapolis, Andre Carson, would technically be the most senior member of the Indiana congressional delegation come next year.
1: Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Um, And uh, to think that... Um, that this turnover is so high, and also the what-ifs. I mean, uh, the what-ifs for Indiana politics. Uh, You know, if Jim Banks doesn't throw his hat in for the U.S. Senate, he's probably the Speaker of the House right now. I mean, they would have centered around him in a minute. You know, uh, so there's a lot of kind of uh, strange what ifs and uh, things that you even two years ago, if someone tapped you on the shoulder and said this is the state of play, that um, you'd scratch your head and say, uh, you know, this is what what's going on in this year. And, And we've got as things will unfold, as the Trump cases unfold. Uh, as uh, these early races in Iowa, New Hampshire, if that clarifies any of uh, the potential non-Trump lane uh, between uh, uh, Haley and DeSantis, then the the politics start warming up in the state of Indiana. You know, uh, we have we get contacted a lot by different uh, uh, candidates uh, to see, you know, to, to get our students to knock on doors or get signatures and stuff and we're getting some heat right now I'm getting a lot of calls for uh, for the different candidates to make sure that uh, you know these other um, candidates are on the ballot and so we'll see you know as things heat up um, and and also again as I mentioned before who gets hired to run the campaigns now for the house and what does that mean for the type of campaign that will get run there a lot of strategic um things going on that that make this year extremely Rare and uncommon in Indiana, ER. so uh, Andre Carson is just one one example of what twenty twenty four is going to bring us.
0: Oh my God, just a couple minutes left here. I want to get your your assessment of, on the gov- race for governor here uh, in Indiana. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, uh, Brad Chambers, former head of the IEDC, uh, Eric Doden from who's from up in your neck of the woods, uh, former head of the IEDC. I also have Mike Braun and former Attorney General Curtis Hill. Uh, got got a, got an over under on, on who, who's technically the odds-on favorite right now. Well, I think,
1: you know, uh, Braun should be the favorite given, you know, uh, his, he's already won statewide, uh, given the fact that he's kind of uh, sort of has the Trump endorsement behind him, or at least, uh, you know, can lean into that a little bit. But, you know, I think other candidates are certainly uh, creating a name or creating a lane for themselves. You know, we've seen Chambers a lot on TV up here. Doden clearly has a bunch of legislative and interesting kind of approaches. You think the lieutenant governor, I mean, you think about um, uh, her experience and her policy experiences, you know, to be in charge of agriculture for the entire state, to have been in charge of so many different things and have been a legislature. She knows where the bodies are buried. So as this thing heats up. We, we can see a lot of different potential angles, and I can't wait to see some of the uh, uh, the debates and the candidate forums to see how people separate themselves and, and who kind of focuses on what. Because there's a – you know, this is – governor is an extremely important position in the U.S. Uh, the, relative to 30 years ago, the, the con- conventional wisdom is, you know – Become a U.S. Senator, and that's your avenue to the president. These days, it's much more through the governor's office because they get to spout that they've done executive actions, that they have balanced the budget, and a number of different things. So, particularly coming off of a governor that was maybe. You know, not necessarily somebody with a bunch of political ambition, uh, but kind of a stabilizing force in uh, 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 the the current governor. We'll see because there's a lot of hard charging and a lot of uh, of people with political ambition going for this office. So there's going to be a a lot to 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 play out here. But you'd have to say somebody, you know, default somebody that's already won statewide. Election in the way that Mike Braun did in a bad election year in 2018, um, you know, uh, would seem to be uh, odds on. But again, I'm not holding back from everyone because everyone seems to be putting together a campaign that's pretty well focused on the avenue they want to take to succeed.
0: And it's not even the 15th yet. Gen- Gen- January isn't even halfway over, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> Mike Wolfart was a guest on the program today, Mike, uh, the head of the uh, Mike Downs Center at uh, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Uh, Mike, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always appreciate you. Give my best to Andy. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: Great. Great to be here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.